Welcome back to Dirty Chai Chats, sex health reps podcast all about sexual health, love, and relationships at Tufts. My name is Gio, and I'm the sex health reps audio coordinator for the fall of 2022. In part one, polyamorous expert Dr. Eli Sheff discussed what polyamory and non-monogamy is on a foundational level. In the second part of this episode, Dr. Eli Sheff delves deeper into what polyamory and non-monogamy is. And some of the questions that are explored in the second part are, can anyone mold themselves into a polyamorous relationship? If an individual is in a long-term relationship, how can they go about negotiating the terms of their monogamy? Is there a way to determine how we best bond with others? Stay tuned to find out the answers to these questions and more in part two of Polyamory Explained with Dr. Eli Sheff. Do you think it's possible for anyone to be poly if they want? There is a lot of like discourse around like monogamy being a construction out of colonialism and the implications that has has over time. Do you think we can move to a world of non-monogamy slash polyamory? I see kind of desire for multiple or singular sexual partners kind of on a spectrum. That some people are way over to one side as wholly polyamorous, that they have always wanted multiplicity. Like even some of my respondents, even as little kids, they didn't have a single best friend. They had a school friend and then they had a sports friend and then a movie friend or a gaming friend, you know, that they've always had this kind of level of multiplicity and the idea of exclusivity on any level hasn't really felt that comfortable to them. And maybe even they've tried to have exclusive relationships and it just hasn't worked. And so a lot of them over time decided at their core, they are polyamorous and they cannot be in monogamous relationships because it feels to them, one of my respondents described it, as trying to wear shoes that are two sizes too small. For those folks, I really think monogamy is never going to feel comfortable. At the other edge of the spectrum, I think there are purely monogamous people who bond with one person, and that's really all they want. I think most of us are somewhere in the middle where they could be polyamorous or could have multiple partners under certain circumstances. But under other circumstances, it really wouldn't work for them. And kind of back to that wanting a harem, I think a lot of people, you know, if you kind of measure it differently on desire for multiple partners yourself versus ability to share those partners with other people, they might be more polyamorous in their desire for themselves and less polyamorous in allowing their partners to be polyamorous too. So I really don't think non-monogamy is for everyone and monogamy is not for everyone. Like in general, relationships are not a one size fits all. I think on that note too, talking about like, if it is and isn't for you, a scenario I wanted to post for you that I think is really relevant, especially that I've heard many times at Tufts in my role as a sex health educator is a couple has been dating 
in a monogamous relationship for now two years. And then one of the partner increasingly wants to explore other people outside of that relationship. They think they might be polyamorous, but they're not sure if they want to explore just sexually or actually have more emotional intimacy with other people. How would you recommend they navigate trying to explore non-monogamy and maybe polyamory, even if there's like pushback from their partner? Like, let's say their partner feels really firm in their monogamy. That's a great question. So how, in a two-year relationship, how to bring up non-monogamy? I would say the first thing is to consider, is this a way to get out of the relationship? Are you actually dissatisfied and you want out? And you're using this as a stepping stone so you don't have to be alone, but you can just kind of jump on to another partner. Then I would say, don't do that. It's way too complicated. It will put your other partner through hell. It's better just to break up. If you really do want to be with that person and you want to consider being with other people, when you bring it up, I would give them a lot of reassurance. Mm -hmm. This isn't because I don't love you. This is not because you're inadequate or whatever. This is because of me. This is something in me and this is not a lack in you. So giving them a lot of encouragement and reassurance about how you feel about them, only if it's true. Another thing I would say is talk about it before acting on it. If you come back and say, honey, I met somebody and we were kissing and it was super fun and I want to open our relationship. Honey's going to feel like, oh no, I'm, I'm feeling very threatened and you pretty much already cheated on me and now you want me to like be in this relationship style that requires a lot of trust? No. So if you can bring it up, if you want that initial relationship that you were already in, if you want it to last, bring it up before you act on it not afterwards, because that is not a great way to start a polyamorous relationship. Very occasionally, people can move from cheating into polyamory. And a lot of people don't think developing an attraction or maybe making out with someone else is cheating. A lot of people do think that's cheating. So that would be an important thing to discuss is what counts as monogamy. If you're saying we're exclusive, does that mean Snapchatting your ex in monogamy? If you don't ever like see them or touch them, but you're chatting with them, is that monogamy? How about going to strip clubs? How about watching pornography? How about masturbating to a fantasy of someone else? You know, uh, what we used to consider monogamy as this very clear default that everyone understood is not at all the case anymore. I think monogamy has to be negotiated now. So when you're negotiating your monogamy, you might say, well, how about we try this for six months, just the two of us, and then see if we want to open the relationship. If the partner you bring this up to is staunchly monogamous and is like, no way, I can't handle this, not going to happen, then you need to decide. Is polyamory kind of a passing fancy that you can let go of to be with this partner? Is this partner important enough and meeting your needs enough that this kind of 
idea of being with other people is more appealing, you know, in fantasy than reality, then maybe figure out how to bring role play into the monogamous relationship. So you're pretending to be different people with each other in the bedroom and see how that is that enough to satisfy you. For some people, that idea of like dressing up as someone else and pretending to be someone else brings that variety in and that's fun. However, if you are polyamorous by orientation, trying to stuff that down for someone else and pretend that's not you or pretend that you don't want that, that comes at a cost and that cost increases over time. So especially as a very young person to already segment selves, you know, parts of yourself and push them away. So someone else is uncomfortable. That has such a high cost. I would not recommend that. If you know you're absolutely certain that you are polyamorous and you want polyamory and nothing else is really going to work for you in the long term, then I would be clear about that with the monogamous partner. And in that case, especially with such young people, I would suggest that the two of you break up and find someone who's better suited to you, a better fit, someone who wants the same thing as you. Because if you establish a permanent relationship with this fundamental mismatch, it's not going to go away. It's going to bother you for years, you know, while you're together. And this is said with the kind of benefit of hindsight (laughs) of having been a young person myself who was like, oh, you want this relationship style? I'm going to see if I can make that work for me. I'm going to push parts of me down so you can be comfortable. And that is not a good long-term strategy at all. Do you have any like timeline of how long you should wait until you're like, okay, I can definitely not do this or I definitely need to explore non-monogamy. And this means that I love you. I want to be with you. But if we don't have this, it's a mismatch. I would say there is no singular timeline Mm -hmm. for people that um, polyamory as a whole and both monogamy and consensual non-monogamy, it really depends on the people involved in it and how they handle themselves. For a mismatch like that, let's say the, the person who wants polyamory is able to see other people when they travel for instance, or establish a relationship with someone far away, a long distance relationship. And the monogamous person is like, okay, yeah, I can deal with that. That could potentially work. For some people though, I think if you really want monogamy, that means your partner being monogamous too, not just you. And that's what, so for the past 25 years, I have tried really hard to be polyamorous and I think of it kind of like a plug in a way that you're born with. And I have this one plug that when I'm in love with someone, I am not interested in other people. And I've tried to kind of grow another plug. I've tried really hard to to kind of massage myself into the shape of a polyamorous person And one of the reasons it's taken me 25 years is that I realize that when I'm not in love, I can have multiple partners. If I'm in 
you know, if I like people I'm dating and I'm not in love with anybody, then I can have multiple partners myself. They can have multiple partners. I don't really care. It's all kind of fun and light on my end. But as soon as I catch the feels, I'm not interested in other people. And depending on how my partner handles it, I can manage them having other partners as long as they meet my needs. If my plug is filled to overflowing, then sure, go be with other people. I'm fine with that. But if my needs aren't met and then they're taking attention away to give to someone else, that doesn't work for me you know, as a monogamous person. So for instance, with my ex-wife, I think she has three plugs, born Mm -hmm. with three plugs, and she can't cut those plugs off any more than I can grow a new one. Um, And if she could maintain three plugs at the same time, then that would be fine. But I really feel like she only has enough energy to focus on one plug at a time. So... Mm -hmm. When that meant that she had, you know, flirtations or fixations on people who were far away, that was fine because we spent time together and she was focused on me. But when she got a girlfriend who was close to us geographically and she started blowing off dates with me to see this other person and started, you know, like leaving on trips with this other person suddenly and just leaving me to kind of deal with everything at home. um, That wasn't okay. She wasn't meeting my needs. It was clear at that point that it would always be the new person who got all her attention until that was over. And then she would fall back to me. And I was like, no, I don't want to be the kind of consolation prize for when this other person and you break up. I need way more attention than that in my only relationship, you know, and apparently we had differing ideas about what a marriage meant. And I thought we were on the same page, you know, with me as her main squeeze and it turned out not. And so that was something that happens frequently in polyamorous relationships called new relationship energy. Where Mm -hmm. when she met this other woman and really fell for her, she didn't take care to pay attention to me as well. She Mm -hmm. was all about this other person, like all of her. She stopped having sex with me and was only having sex with the other person. She stopped giving me attention and was giving her free time to the other person. Like she would hang out with me at home while we were both checking email and like making dinner and stuff, but it wasn't her free time was for this other person. And a lot of people, when they meet a new person that they're super excited about, they just kind of forget about their longer term partners briefly, and they don't mean to ignore them, but they're so excited about the new person, they don't give the longer term partner enough attention. So people who have been in long-term polyamorous relationships recognize it come to expect it and put a lot of effort and attention into maintaining their long time relationship. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense and can be that 
sort of mismatch of communications or not being able to develop yourself into this new model. And I think that goes into the previous conversation also of the scenario and like finding, am I forcing myself or is this genuine? Can I sustain this long term? And does this work for me? Does it feel good for me? Absolutely. And it can be very painful to realize that you have such a deep mismatch with someone that you feel really strongly about, but it's, you know, kind of like gay person trying to convince themselves to be heterosexual. It just doesn't work. And maybe you can pretend it for a while, but as a long-term strategy, it's corrosive both to the self and the relationship. Absolutely. I would love to hear more about the bonding project what it is, why you created it, and how tough students, college students, anyone listening today can use the Bonding Project. The Bonding Project started as a single quiz to help people think about, do they want to bond one-to-one, one-to-many, many-to-many, or solo? Um, And we put it up in January of 2021, and we just took it down in July of 2022. And in that time frame, over 15,000 people took the quiz, and we got some fantastic feedback that it was really accurate. But they also felt that the language was a little difficult, which it was just hard to write some of those questions in a straightforward way without being leading or using labels. We really shied away from labels like polyamory or monogamy because they come with so many social expectations. For instance, I'm a one-to-one bonder, but I don't want the kind of strictures and assumptions that come with classical monogamy in a religious sense of like, you know, if I'm in a couple with someone, I don't necessarily need to do every single thing with them. Like, it's okay with me if they go out with their friends. I don't have to monitor them. I don't need to be glued to them all the time. And I want the freedom to be able to do me, even if they don't want to do whatever I'm doing. So that's kind of outside of the traditional bonds of monogamy. You know, it's really relating in a romantic sexual way to one other person. So yes, the language was kind of difficult and we're fixing that. The other piece of feedback we got in addition to these results are super accurate. We got that we had lumped in romance and sexuality as if they're the same thing and they're not. And that there wasn't room really for someone to say that they were asexual or aromantic. So Now, um, after thinking about this feedback, taking it very seriously, we're in the process of recreating it into multiple smaller quizzes. So a separate quiz on sex, one on romance, one on time, one on money, one on habitation. Like, do you want to live together or not? And under what circumstances, how... um, So we're breaking it down into multiple ways of bonding and we're just working on those quizzes right now. So the original quiz 
is still up. People can go to bondingproject.com and download the quiz, take it and self-score it. What, what we had taken down was the one that you could take online and then get an email with your score because our back of the house was really complicated and was great when just, you know, like three to five people per day would take the quiz. But when we got hundreds of people taking the quiz every day, the system itself would just get overloaded and yeah. couldn't then produce the results. So that's why we didn't leave that original test. Yeah. I've really appreciated all of your knowledge that you shared today and wanted to give this opportunity if there's anything that I didn't ask or if there's any last piece of advice that you'd give to college students interested in this work, wanting to pursue this as a field and simply also for themselves. I guess what I would say is let go of shame. There is no shame in wanting multiple partners. Harm in that comes from pretending to be monogamous and then cheating on your partners. And that harm is not only emotional, but those cheating relationships are a primary source of the spread of sexually transmitted infections. When one person thinks they're in a monogamous relationship and they're not requiring barriers in sex, but their other partner is having sex with other people and then gives them a sexually transmitted infection. When you're in a polyamorous relationship or any kind of non-monogamous relationship, you should talk about safer sex practices. Well, even in monogamy, everybody should talk about safer sex practices and get tested. This kind of assumption that any kind of non-monogamy is harmful, it doesn't have to be. If you are honest with your partners and caring and give each other a lot of positive feedback and treat each other in caring ways, respect each other's boundaries, it non-monogamy can be very positive for everyone involved. Cheating is corrosive. It leads to negative sexual health outcomes and it leads to negative emotional outcomes. And it's also okay to want monogamy. You are fine if you want monogamy, even if everybody else around you is like, hey, let's be polyamorous. Let's have non-monogamy. And you don't want that. That is okay. That is absolutely legitimate to say, I don't want non-monogamy. And so knowing yourself and your own boundaries, then don't let people push you into non-monogamy if that's not what you want. Because when someone is badgered or bullied into being polyamorous, that's a booby trap for everybody concerned. Not only the partners who badgered and bullied each other, but the other people they connect with then are in the emotional splash zone. And that's bad news for everybody. No, thank you so much for saying that. And I think all of what you've said today, I've learned a lot first and foremost, and I know everyone listening will definitely take a lot away from this. And it's complicated. It's still evolving. There's so much more I want to learn about. And I'm sure many others also feel that same way. And I'm really grateful for you setting that foundation of what is polyamory? How can we explore it in college? And like, what does that look like? One of the best ways to learn more about polyamory for free, I blog on Psychology Today 
under the name of my first book, The Polyamorists Next Door. And that blog has all sorts of information based in research about polyamory. So that's a great free place to find all sorts of information. Thank you so much. Thanks um, for having me. Yeah, this is nice chatting really, with you. Nice chatting with you. And I hope to speak soon. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Dirty Chai Chats. To learn more about Dr. Eli Sheff's work, check out this podcast description. I want to thank Eli again for sharing her wisdom on this platform throughout this two-part series. Stay tuned for our next episode celebrating Latinx Heritage Month. Until then, you know the drill. Stay safe, stay sexy, and stay warm.